Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, beautiful people. Welcome to the Beautifully Complicated Podcast. I'm your host, Sheena, and I am excited to be back to talk to you guys, but not so excited because of the topic that we're talking about. Today, we're going to talk about our truths. It's been a while. This time we chat. We need to face our truths, our truths in this nation, our communities, and within ourselves. In this episode, I want to talk about Charlottesville. America's truths with hatred and bigotry, and of course, our very own personal truths within ourselves. We are opening some very, very deep wounds here. So grab your tea and let's talk. Segment one. What's happening now? Well, it's been a long time since I've been on here. Took some vacation time. I worked on my new brand that I'm gearing up to launch, but I'm back. So a lot of stuff obviously has went down since the last time I was on this here podcast. Too much to even get into it. So I'm focusing this episode down today to talk about just our truths. In this segment, I'm going to talk about our truths as a nation here in these United States of America. This past weekend, August 11th and 12th, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, I want to give you some dates there. We saw some deplorable actions take place that we haven't seen at this scale in many decades. In Charlottesville, Virginia, this weekend, there was a rally planned by several different white supremacists, white nationalists, and neo-Nazi organizations. This event was stated to be a rally in protest of the removal of a Robert E. Lee statue from the newly named Emancipation Park, which was formerly called Lee Park, I do believe. Of course, because of the foolery, hate, and bigotry that these groups represent, there was a counter-protest organized, most notably on Saturday morning. But before I get into the horrific events of Saturday, I want to talk about the throwback actions of Friday night by these white supremacists and neo-Nazi trash people. So I've been taking a sabbatical from all of the nonsense jumping off in this country because I was in desperate need of some self-care, as I'm sure most of you are as well. But Friday, as I perused through Twitter, my hangout, I saw a video of a group of very pathetic white men marching down the street with some bed, bath, and beyond tiki torches in their hand. Like, really? Where do we do that at? Okay, anyway, oh yeah, maybe Nazi Germany circa 1940 or America circa 1955. Anyway, so upon further investigation, I found this was happening in Charlottesville, which obviously became a trending topic on Twitter. I found out that there were clergy people tweeting about hearing chants from outside of their prayer service that they were holding and the white supremacist trash men marching towards their church. I immediately thought back to the attack on the black parishioners in 1961 Montgomery after the beating of the Freedom Riders by, of course, a white racist mob. That imagery 
in my mind and these posts on social media were awfully triggering. The whole scene was a throwback to a time that we want to believe we are past, but a lot of us, mostly black folks, know we are still living. Saturday seemed to start off quite heated in my morning scroll through Twitter because, of course, again, that's my hangout. Don't judge me. I saw a post from a local St. Louis pastor, Tracy Blackman, who was there in Charlottesville for a clergy counter protest to the neo-Nazis and white supremacists. She began to live stream what was happening in real time on the streets of Charlottesville and was sharing it from her Facebook page to the Twitter feed. So you were able to go to her Facebook page to Twitter to view her live feeds. And she showed the the crowds beginning to gather, the people out there um, very much so energized on both sides, the charged environment that looked like it was a, a pot about ready to boil over the energy that you can feel coming from the video itself, you know, not even being there, but just seeing it from the video. You just knew that we were at a boiling point in this country. They were at a boiling point in that protest. And these, uh, you begin to see count the protesters, quote unquote, protesters. I'm going to call it there. The white supremacists, the white supremacists, some of them in what appeared to be close to like military garb, there were, uh, militia or militia there, which the governor, I believe it was the governor, maybe the mayor, I believe it was the governor of Virginia later said that had more art, heavier artillery than the police had and was out, had out armed the police. But you have these armed militiamen out there. You have people with uh, bottles of urine that are thrown at people, brass knuckles were reported out there. And there was this tension rising as the two crowds began to clash. You've got videos of the um, white supremacist groups pushing back against like the police line and whatnot. And as she's live streaming this, you see all this charged energy and hateful rhetoric being spewed. She took a break from her live feed to do a interview with Joy Reid, Joanne Reid from uh, MSNBC for the AM Joy show. And in the middle of her interview that she was doing, she was rushed away by the security, uh, the network security there at the, at the protest. And because they had identified it as it being unsafe to her be stand to her part of stand in the place she was standing at doing her interview, she was rushed off. And she came back and, and said, you know, what happened? But as she was being rushed off, she was explaining, you could still hear her talking about what was happening, that, you know, they have identified this as an unsafe situation and they're moving me out of the way of what they think could be some unsafe events that could occur in this spot. So I'm watching this and watching her live stream and really following what was happening on Twitter because you get so many people right there in the midst of the action who are documenting it live, live tweeting what is happening. And I'm watching it all unfold. And you can just see that, God, it was just the amount of hatred that was coming from the white supremacists and the feeling of entitlement, obviously, because they felt that they were untouchable to have an orange militia surrounding you and all of that nonsense. And then you see these anti-protesters from um, like literally like clergy people, right? Pastors and whatnot from different churches across the country um, who are locking arms and forming a barricade between the white supremacists and the anti-protesters, as well as like people from Black Lives Matter movement. You have people from um, anti-fascism movement, just different uh, different movements that were there to push back against these white supremacists, let them know that, hey, what you're espousing is not what we're about here in this country. Uh, But what really, what really caught my eye watching all this footage was the police there in Virginia, in Charlottesville. Now I'm from St. Louis. I live in St. Louis. I have 
been down to Ferguson around the time of when it was really heated in our early days of the protest uh, within that first week of the murder of Mike Braille. And I remember seeing, you know, those officers in that full military garb on the streets and flash forward to Charlottesville Saturday. You didn't see that. You didn't see the militarized police there. You didn't really see the police really doing much of anything. You saw them almost standing behind the line as these two groups were clashing with one another. And you noticed that there wasn't the same response to a white organized event as there were to black organized protests uh, in Ferguson and Baltimore, places like that. It was just that imagery was shocking to see, but at the same time, not so shocking, right? It was shocking to see because it was like, oh my God, like this is really how it goes down for real. Like this is how this country works. That hurts, right? Because, you know, you begin to see that, yeah, what I thought in my head and believed in my heart to be true is what you guys are showing me as truth. That you feel you have to over-police the Black bodies and under-police white bodies because you see Black people as a bigger threat than white people, even though these people were had outgunned the police, right, here at this uh, particular event by white supremacists and neo-Nazis in Charlottesville, Virginia. So seeing that really just blew my mind, right? And so I'm watching this all play out and they eventually break it all up because a lot of fights began to break out. You had all types of horrible things happening. And so the police finally broke it up. They issued a state of emergency. The Virginia governor did. And they officially called it an unlawful assembly at that point because they can at that point and broke up the crowds. Well, they began to break up the crowds, people going everywhere. And everyone's breaking up and going their different ways. And at that point is when the police completely lost control because they weren't able to police the smaller groups that were dispersing like they were able to police this larger group that was in one space. And so a lot of horrific things began to happen. There is video footage and pictures of a young boy, a young man about 20 years old being beaten by white supremacists and neo-Nazis in an alleyway right next to the police station and no police nowhere to be found while he's been beaten. He has several stitches in his head, chipped tooth now, and but he was beaten by a mob of white folks, white, of racist white people. And then we see or hear of the most tragic, even more tragic news story come out where we have a car driven by a neo-Nazi white supremacist plows through a crowd of anti-protesters and hits a lot of people. One person dying fatally, a fatal death, a fatality, excuse me. Heather Heyer, um, a 32-year-old woman, uh, lost her life trying to fight back against the hatred and vitriolic rhetoric of the neo-Nazis and white supremacists. So my condolences to her and her family. It's just a tragic, tragic thing to happen. And 19 other people were injured. Uh, Some were gravely injured and um, were in critical condition. Some not so much, but it doesn't matter. A lot of people were hit by a car by an idiot, a hate for a hate person. Uh, he drove his car into them, backed up to drive out. And, and there was there was talk, a lot of rhetoric of people uh, saying that there were people from the neo-Nazis and white supremacist groups that were kind of directing him to tell him where to go to get away from, to get out of the area, right? Trying to help protect him from the horrible, horrific action he just did. Uh, and then not too long after that, we hear of a a police helicopter could go down, crash, and two police officers perish in that who were monitoring the the all this nonsense that's happening with this protest by these white supremacists and neo-Nazis. It just 
all of this going on hurt, right? So we're looking at people fighting for the idea of maintaining what they believe in their head is some form of power that they believe that they are deserving of, a power that they feel no one else should have. And they are doing it in a way that is restricting the values of what we hold as a nation. Not even restricting it. It really is just, you know, demolishing values, right? And it is stating that all these other groups of people have very few rights. Some of them, I feel they have right to life. Uh, there was a lot of of terminology used that that was a throwback to Nazi Germany with them chanting blood and blood and soil. And, you know, these people with these anti-Semitic statements, very racist statements, very bigoted statements that they are putting out there, that bubbling up that we saw on Friday and Saturday in Charlottesville, Virginia, was the direct result of the rhetoric of the Trump campaign in from 2015 through 2016 and his how he is running his administration now in 2017. And you can even go back further to his attacks on President Obama with the birther movement and demanding a birth certificate and basically saying that our first black president is an illegitimate president of this country, you know, and really he's been fueling and stoking these flames for many, many years. And he's been massaging this idea of the other, right? And how we have to protect ours, even with the campaign slogan of make America great again, is a throwback to what is believed to have been the grand time of this country for white people in like the 1950s and 60s when they had more power and they were able to do whatever they want, carte blanche to every other effect, every other group in this country that wasn't them. And that isn't what we're about as a nation any longer. We have got to push past that, but we have these very hard truths that aligns with what Trump's been saying for many years from what we saw in Charlottesville. And that is racism runs deep in America and America cannot grow past this until America faces her truths until America owns the fact that yes, we have a very racist history. We have a racist present Right. But we don't want to have a racist future. And so we have to do what we can to change the trajectory of where we are going morally and ethically as a country. By coming out and denouncing the white supremacists and the neo-Nazis, which is what a lot of Republican people officials have did this weekend on Saturday following this horrible act that took place with the death of Heather Heyer and all the two police officers. It was all speech, though, from them. It was all speech from the Republicans. It was, that's it. Where is the action, right? Since Trump has taken office, his Justice Department has um, decided to investigate affirmative actions at universities to determine if they are, um, if it is harmful to white applicants. Um, the Supreme Court has allowed for the gutting, this is before he became president, the gutting of the Voting Rights Act. And now Trump formed a voting, a voting commission, right, to determine if there was election fraud, a voter voting fraud that happened during the 2016 election, which every secretary of state in every single state in this country basically said flat out there wasn't any. And this is a pointless thing. But this is something that he is hell bent on. Why? Because 
He wants to continue to disenfranchise black and brown voters because what this commission is going to end up doing is purging voter rolls, which is what we are seeing in some of these Republican states and Republican districts. I believe it was, uh, it may have been Indiana um, that it just came out that they have one particular county that they are restricting access to votes, and it's the black county which is funny. They're expanding the access to vote for every other county, but this one county, they're restricting the access to vote. You have these things set up by the Republican Party and by Donald Trump that is in alignment with racism. This is systemic racism. You have uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions uh, wanting to go back to the harsh sentencing for drug violations in the country, you have um, Trump ordering that all terrorism efforts need to be only focused in on Islamic terrorism and not on domestic white supremacy terrorism, which is what we saw on Saturday. Uh, a direct action of the white supremacy terrorism. We saw white supremacy terrorism in Portland a few months ago. We've seen white supremacy terrorism in Maryland. We've seen white supremacy terrorism in Minnesota with the bombing of a mosque recent, just in the past week. We've seen all these white supremacy terrorists. And most of the terroristic acts that happen in this country happens at the hands of white supremacists. But Trump decided that they don't need to be investigated. We need to put all of our effort into Islamic t- extremism. And there you have it. Right. That's where he stands in a place of negativity and and looking at who are the others. Trump was supposed to come out and denounce the actions of Saturday on Saturday. He had a press conference um, for some work he was doing the voting, the Veterans Affairs. But before he spoke on that, he talked about Charlottesville, but he decided to blanket the statement and say there's violence and hate from many sides, right? What what does that even mean from many sides? No, no, no. There was a violent act and violent acts that were taking place at the hands of white supremacists by white supremacists and neo-Nazis. And you can call it like it is. He refused to do that. It wasn't until today, today, uh, Monday, that he came out and and gave a, a statement that to denounce white supremacy and still wouldn't call the action of that had took place Saturday with that man mowing down those people in that car as a terroristic attack. He still stopped short of that. Anytime there is an attack anywhere else that is done by a, a Muslim person, he jumps to call it terrorism before any of the officials even call it terrorism in those countries. This Now he's reserved. He's reserved about domestic terrorism that happens at the hands of white supremacists. He has a record of that. The Republican Party, like I said, are very much so complicit in what is happening. You can put these statements out and denounce white supremacy and neo-Nazism as you should, but your actions should also speak loud as well. And we should see those actions that your disdain for racism in what you do in legislature. We should see it in your, the bills that you pass. We should see you pushing for, um, the reassembly of the voting rights act and reinstatement of the voting rights act. So that we're not seeing these, uh, this, these egregious behaviors that are taking place throughout the country in different red States where they are stripping the rights away from people to be able to have the access to the vote. So words don't mean much to me. I believe in action. But in order for those actions to take place, America has to face her truths. America has to recognize her racist history and her racist institutions that still exists and benefit white people and definitely benefit white men in how they are complicit in those systems because they are not willing to denounce those systems that are harming other groups of people just to give them um, the greater ability to do well in life. And so in order to move ahead and truly be able to heal as a nation, we have to have a real conversation about race We have to have a real conversation about slavery in this country and 
and the deep wounds it has left in this country, we have to have a conversation about Jim Crow and what happened after Reconstruction. We need to have a deep conversation about the Civil War. We need to have a real conversation about gerrymandering. We need to have a real conversation about drug laws and the war on drugs in the 1980s. We need to have a lot of real conversations, right? We need to have real conversations about mass incarceration because all these things are linked and looped together. And they all go back to our racist history. Or you can say the depths of racism in this country and the breadth of racism in this country, the amount of power racism has in this country and how even if you don't have, you don't have to say the N-word to be a beneficiary of racism or to be a part of racism. You can just support a system that disenfranchises other groups and you are supporting a racist system. That's the truth. And until we begin to really, really identify that as a truth for us, we are not going to be able to move forward. We're going to continue to see this cycle. We're going to continue to see these hotbeds pop up. We're going to continue to see people feel emboldened because of the rhetoric they're getting from the White House. We're going to continue to see more poor legislation roll out that is harmful to up to marginalized groups in this country. We're going to continue to see these things. Until we face these truths, we're going to continue to see them. We're going to continue to see it. And I don't care about people making statements. Yeah, you denounce Nazis. Absolutely should denounce the Nazis. We beat the Nazis in World War II. You should be denouncing anybody that's society and bringing that ridiculousness back to this nation. That's not a hard thing to do for most people. Obviously, it's hard for Donald Trump, but that's he's a whole another anomaly. But what are your actions saying about your beliefs, your ideas, what you think, what you feel? What are your actions saying when you're trying to strip away the Affordable Care Act just because it was Obama's legislation, not because of, you know, any errors in it, not willing to work and fix it. But you want to strip it away because if it's attached to a black president and you had already decided that you don't want anything of his to be um, successful or moving forward. You don't want his platform to go forward. You don't want any of his legislation and his actions that he's taken to continue forward in this nation. You are a part of the problem, if that's how you feel. That's a hard truth. And until we face these hard truths, we're not going to go anywhere in the country. We're not going to become the amazingly great nation that we can become. We're just not going to become that. And I worry, you know, that it's going to be hard for some people to get to that point. I already see people trying to make this polarized by party in some form and fashion, right? Well, Trump made a second statement and he denounced Nazis. Now let's move on. It's like, uh, no, we don't need to move on because this is a real thing that we need to deal with in this country. Racism is a very real thing. Bigotry is a very real thing. These people exist in this country and they feel emboldened to do what they did. They feel emboldened to attack people and to harm people and to kill people. They feel just fine being able to do that. They feel comfortable there. We need to address that. And while we're at it, we need to address all forms of racism that exist in this country that are disenfranchising groups of people within America. That's what we need to do. We don't decide to say, oh, well, he finally fixed his statement so that we can move on and think about other more important things. This is very important. This is extremely important. We are talking about lives here and livelihoods. And if we can't have those conversations in this country and we can't move forward and take in better actions on the behalf of our disenfranchised in this country, then what are we fighting for as a country? 
what move on to tax reform so the wealthy can get more money back? Like, where, where are our priorities? I, I question, I question the morality of a lot of people in this country. But what made me feel really good is that there were a lot of people, a lot of white people. I want to give those that were out there their just due. And people like Heather Heyer and uh, there are a lot of white people who are out there in Charlottesville protesting and pushing back. There are a lot of white people, black people, Hispanic people, Asian people, all types of people out there right now protesting across the nation. They had protests yesterday as they stood in solidarity with Charlottesville and up against hatred. We, we we're seeing it. There are a lot of people with a lot of love in their hearts and they want to do the right thing. and want to be a part of the right thing happening in this country. And I think we need that energy to push our governors and our senators and our uh, representatives and all our people in government to do the right thing and to eradicate the racism that is institutionalized as well as to put uh, strong legislation in place and in, 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 against um, white supremacy, neo-Nazism, and white nationalism when there is violence enacted against people. It should be tried um, in at the highest levels in courts of law, and they should really be given some very strict sentencing, and it should be some some heavy actions taken against people who do things like that. We should not coddle them. You would think America would have learned and would have wanted to really have real conversations after mother the Mother Emanuel shooting, where nine parishioners lost their lives at a black church at the hands of a white supremacist. You would think that we would say, you know what? We got to do the right thing. But because we only have an attention span of like a goldfish, not much happened after that. We 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 remembered the nine people that lost their lives. And the flag was taken down in South Carolina, the Confederate flag, which shouldn't be flying anyway. This is the United States of America. This is not the Confederacy. This is the United States. The Confederacy lost of 160, 70 years ago. Why is their flag flying anyway? This is not their nation. We fly our flag as a country. I don't even get that in the first place. But the flag was brought down because of that action. But that was it. There was conversation that we need to take down the Confederate monuments, but that's it. No, no, no. Yeah, that stuff should be taken out because it shouldn't be here anyway. We all know that that, um, the Confederate monuments were put up and the flags started to fly in the 1950s and the 1960s in direct action against the the, uh, anti-segregationists and the civil rights movement. It was a terroristic uh, move by white supremacists to terrorize black communities, to remind them of where they could go back to if they don't stay in their place. That's why it was put up there. It wasn't, this, these monuments haven't been there since 1865. They were put there in like 1955. So why are they even there in the first place? People talk heritage and all this other nonsense. Put in the museum. Heritage belongs in the museum. Uh, you want to honor your your ancestors, baby? Do it at home at the privacy of your own house. Why do why do we have to look at of the flag of the Confederacy when the, we're not the Confederacy? We're the United States of America. Why do I have to look at a, a statue of Robert E. Lee? He led the Confederacy. He didn't lead the United States of America. He wasn't the president of our country. So why are we honoring this guy? But why is that where our conversation is stopping? Why is our conversation not going further? Why are we not really talking about true racism? Why are we not really talking about the effects of slavery? Why are we not talking about the, um, the income inequality in black communities? 
versus white communities? Why are we not talking about um, our poor school systems and how that is all linked to racism? Why are we not talking about red zoning? Why are we not talking about uh, health disparities? Why are we not talking about these things? Why are we not talking about mass incarceration and overcriminalization of the of drugs? Why are we not talking about that stuff? Things that are really truly linked to racism. Why do we why do we stop at the cosmetic? The cosmetic being the Confederacy and the monuments of the Confederacy and the flag of the Confederacy. That is all cosmetic. And that's something easy that people can deal with. Oh, yeah, we can fine, we'll take down the statues, fine, we'll take down the flag. But no, that doesn't do much for me. Yeah, that takes away the visual aspects of racism, but there are real racist things that are actually happening in this nation we need to deal with. We need to deal with voting rights being restricted. There are a lot of things we need to talk about. But until we face slavery as a truth in this nation, until we face Jim Crow as a truth in this nation, until we face uh, all of the, the race massacres that happened in this country over the past 100 years, until we face the fact that lynching happened in this country for uh, oh, about 70 or 80 years, until we face that, yeah, black people are actually afraid of police officers and we are killed at a higher rate by officers than anybody else, until we face these things as truths, because they're all linked to racism that runs deep in this soil, we will not be able to move forward as a nation. We've got to do better. We got to do better. We got to challenge those people who are in office. And we need to challenge our families and friends who also don't want to see it, don't want to have the conversation, get uncomfortable with it, and all this other nonsense. We need to challenge all these people. We need to challenge them so that we can move forward. And we can truly progress and become an even greater nation. America is not a horrible place to live. I recognize all of our privileges that we have living in this country, even though we, as black folks, we're not even completely free. We have a lot of things that's against us, but we can go to other countries having a lot worse. (laughs) But that don't mean that that makes it any better. We as a country can do even better as long as we are willing to do the work to do better. And we can do that by having these really tough conversations and backing those conversations up with real action to transform the lives of our citizens. Those are our truths that we must face and deal with as citizens of the United States of America. Segment two, self-care. Hey guys, well, that last segment was a bit heavy, so in keeping with the theme of talking about our truths, uh, in this episode on for uh, self-help, I want to talk about our own truths and owning our own truths and finding out what they are. It's always a very important thing, first of all, to really be honest with yourself and put up a mirror to yourself. And to identify things within you that are shortcomings. I recently had to do that. I had a friend tell me something that was kind of hurtful uh, about an action that I took or something I said a few years ago in a conversation that was really impactful um, and, and that really kind of hurt him a little deep. And I thought about... Uh, at that moment, and had already been thinking about even before then, you know, how I had treated people or how I interacted with certain people, not everybody, but certain people in my 20s. And I realized I had a, a really uh, nice amount of immaturity about myself and how I dealt with people, right? I didn't, I wasn't always the nicest person to folks. I would shut people down. It was my way of protecting myself emotionally but I would shut people down, keep them at a distance and at bay. And I saw it as, well, I mean, I'm just, that's just who I am. But it was really hurtful to other people, those people I were interacting with. And I, that was a hard truth I had to uh, reconcile with. I had to put that mirror up to myself. And even hearing from my friend recently about something that I had said to him that was hurtful to him 
couple years ago, it was like, yeah, I recognized that I had some serious shortcomings in my 20s and maybe even at the beginning of my 30s when I was still trying to figure all this out and really in the early stages of trying to improve myself overall as a person. I wasn't always the nicest person. I had to reconcile with that truth and begin to figure out where did that come from? How did I get there? You know, um, why would I say such things that I was saying? Uh, Is there something that I needed to deal with that came out of an earlier part of my life? Or was it something I needed to deal with emotionally? which is what it was for me. I just was not the type of person who was willing to um, allow people to get in. So I had these defense mechanisms up because I didn't want to ever be hurt by anybody. And in doing that, I was hurting other people. So I I only saw that once I began to self-reflect. And the best way I found for me to self-reflect was journaling. Um, and I talk a lot about journaling on this podcast, at least for the last few episodes, you hear me talk about journaling and how it's really been helping me as I've been trying to improve myself as a person, um, holistically, right. In all areas of my life, not just in my like romantic life or anything like that, but in every area of my life to really identify those pieces and those parts that don't gel with what I'm supposed to be and where I'm supposed to be going. And That's something that I want to challenge you guys to do the same. Um, Put that mirror up, jot down those things that are hard for you to face within yourself and analyze it and decide, is this who I am? Why did that? Why? Why is this my current truth? And how do I overcome this? How do I move past this? How do I grow in this? How do I uh, mature? So that I become a better person and the person who I was called to be. We're not called to be mean, hurtful people. We're not called to be shallow, hopefully. (laughs) But some people are very shallow in some areas of their lives. Some people um, project onto others things that they are actually feeling themselves or things they may have actually done. There are different things that we do, different ways that we um, try to protect ourselves or things we do to like, you know, boost ourselves up thinking we're boosting our self-esteem when we really are just muddling our low self-esteem issues that we that we have going on. It could be many different things that we are facing that could be our truths. But it's up to us in order for us to improve, to get better, to grow, to mature, and to come out as our better selves. It's important for us to face those truths, identify what they are, figure out why they are, and then work to improve ourselves and get past it. In my journey, uh, these last couple of years, recognizing that one of the things I didn't want to do was to be hurt and putting up those walls that resulted in me hurting many people and being mean to many, and mostly guys, it was mostly guys that I dated or talked to, being very hard and hurtful to them why was I doing that? So I had figured out why. And then I had to turn around and start dealing with that wall that I had up. And I had to start breaking that wall down. And I have finally gotten to a point where I've allowed myself to be vulnerable. I allowed myself to be emotional. I allowed myself to feel in situations, in relationships with people, in conversation with people. I'm allowing myself to be actually human. And it doesn't always feel good, but I recognize that it's good for me. And through that, I have developed greater strengths than I could have ever have developed before. I have learned a lot more about myself. I I am better able to handle different situations now than I was in the past. I have grown and matured really as a person, as an adult, as a woman, in a way that I wouldn't have done if I stayed on that road of just having this wall up. And because I became more vulnerable, oddly enough, people are just migrating to me. (laughs) I have a lot of friends and guy friends and guys I have met 
recently who have really been drawn to me because of my authenticity, right? I've become way more authentic in who I am as a person and they feel that vibe and they recognize it in what I'm saying and my openness and my willingness to speak my truths, as well as to put it out there of who I was and who I am and trying and how I am trying to become better. Being transparent about it and not hiding it, that I am as flawed as the next person. I used to really live this life where um, I wanted people to believe that I had it all together, even when I was trying to figure it out. I wanted everyone else to think that I had it all together, but I really did not. And now it's like, I have no problem telling people I'm still figuring this out. I have no idea. This is how I think y'all would handle the situation. But I don't, I am showing myself as a normal person, like actually as a human who is really migrating life the same as everyone else around her. And that is what it's all about. It took me identifying my truths, putting that mirror up to myself, seeing my true reflection, identifying those things that were not of me, but that are, that were, um, superficial things that I put around me to protect me and dismantling those things and growing from the dismantling, growing from what came after the dismantling, maturing as an adult. So as we go through life and as you really begin to unpack the things that um, represent who you are today and you decide what's truly authentically you and what isn't. And as you remove those things that aren't truly authentically you and you begin to see who you really are and you begin to try to grow in that woman or into that man, I want you to recognize that that is the best way to get on track of becoming who you were ultimately placed here to be. And that is where you'll find your passion. That's where you'll find your purpose. That's where you'll find your love. That's where you'll find your happiness, joy, and peace. And just being authentic to yourself, identifying what is harming you that you have placed around you and growing as a person. So please, 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 Take time and identify what your truths are and work through those things. Segment three, Black Excellence. For this episode, our highlight for our Black Excellence is none other than the amazing Issa Rae. Okay. Here's the thing, I have become like the biggest fan of Insecure. (laughs) On HBO, it's Issa Rae's show. Uh, Issa Rae is a young black woman in Hollywood who really made her space uh, in the entertainment industry by creating and directing her own web series on YouTube. Uh, The most notable web series she made was Awkward Black Girl, which has several seasons on YouTube and you can still view them on YouTube. And from there, uh, she created an entire production house, really, of different shows and Insecure, which is a show on HBO. The reason why I am shouting out Issa Rae on this particular episode of Our Truths Are Complicated for Beautifully Complicated Podcast is because her show truly does highlight what it means to be a 30-something-year-old complicated person. (laughs) The characters are so relatable. I see myself in a lot of the different characters. I see my friends in some of the characters. I see guys I've dated in some of the characters. It is so realistic and it truly speaks to um, how complicated we are as people from our work lives to our relationship lives to our friendships. It just really talks about everything and it brings in a beautiful comedic way, but it tells the story of a black 30 something (laughs) uh, living in this world today and just trying to navigate and figure things out for yourselves. I love that it, it, it helps 
all of us begin to identify some of our truths because as we look at some of the characters and some of their flaws, we see some of the those same things within ourselves. And we begin to say, wow, if that's what she looks like, that must be how I look when I do that too. And maybe this is something I need to reevaluate. Where is that coming from? Right. And so I, I'm so grateful to Issa Ray and the entire production team um, and writer writing team of Insecure HBO. But I just wanted to highlight her because she and her team are capturing the true complexities of all of us. <laughs> it is so amazing and so great. And so for my Black Excellence for this episode, I am highlighting the amazingly wonderful, hilarious, and very beautiful Issa Rae. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Beautifully Complicated Podcast. I'm your host, Sheena, and I am so excited you guys tuned in today. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the Beautifully Complicated Podcast. Make sure your family and friends know that they can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. If you want to follow me, follow me on social media at Twitter or Instagram at Sheena, S-H-E-E-N-A-D the number one Sheena D one that's where you can find me on Instagram as well as on Twitter uh, we can have, go even further in conversation about today's episode also please like our Facebook page it's a beautifully complicated podcast beautifully complicated it's one word so when you're searching for it, it's easy to find it will be the only one word beautifully complicated show out there in Facebook land make sure you like us on Facebook join in on the conversation can't wait to hear you guys' thoughts on everything that's happened from Charlottesville to our own personal truths to the amazing Issa Rae and Insecure. Let's have the discussions and talk about it. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, remember that the best life is beautifully complicated. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.